Chelsea, the ball forward, Mason somewhat isolated again, Cantave is beginning to make his run, Mason looks up, there's the opportunity, there's the opening goal, Dan Clark with the header, and Cavalry have the lead against their arch-rivals, Forge. Recipients, if he can get the delivery right, Medium Mason on it, and there's the response, an immediate response, Casillas, inside the first minute of the second half, has done what they pay him to do. And it has ended all square as the two coaches, Bernie Skriniotis and Tommy Wilder Jr., exchange handshakes. We'll go to Hamilton all square. Hello and welcome to this playoff edition of the Newsroom. Christian Jack alongside Charlie O'Connor-Clark as ever. On today's show, we will recap both opening legs of the CPL semifinals. We, we will hear from all four coaches, many of the players, and of course, as usual, we have the return of World Cup stickers. Charlie's <laughs> ready. Benedict's got 15 packs. Charlie's got about three. And uh, yeah. we'll get Mitchell and AGR on the show later as well to bring their stickers and put together their teams. If you're watching live, you have just seen uh, from our opening, uh, we will start the show with what took place in Calgary, Alberta on Saturday afternoon, where it was a tale of two headers. We'll hear from one of our correspondents, Benedict Rhodes, on this shortly. But let's hear from the man himself who was there. Charlie, uh, good evening. I know I'm keeping you away from you watching your Leafs right now, so apologize, but they are playing Arizona, so I think we're okay. Oh, I'm... Tonight? Much happier doing this than okay, what, uh, last I checked. They were losing, so I'm, oh wow, I'm so much happier here. I cannot happen <laughs> against them, but anyway, uh, yeah, more hockey talk if you put it in the chat. Otherwise, we'll move on. Uh, Charlie, what were your <laughs> overall takeaways from visiting um, at Coalfield at Spruce Meadows in, in that one-one game we saw there? What, what did you take away from it? Yeah, it was a really good kind of felt like that sort of playoff vibe between these two teams, two sides that you know have seen a lot of each other this year and over the past few years. Two managers that are very familiar with playing one another, especially in these kinds of playoff games where the margins are fine, the details matter so much. So they were trying to throw some different tactical things at one another, as they often do when they play against each other. Um, and it was a, a pretty back-and-forth game. I think both both sides had a couple chances. There maybe weren't a lot of massive clear-cut chances for either side in this game. It was a little bit uh, kind of congested through the middle at, in this game for a lot of it, but... Uh, again, it was a great atmosphere in Calgary. I hadn't actually been to, to at Cofield before, so that was a lot of fun seeing that kind of atmosphere there for a playoff game. Uh, hi, Ryan. But uh, yeah, just it was a, it was a really really good kind of opening taste to this playoff game between two sides that you know clearly have you know a lot of familiarity. Cavalry sort of went with a bit of a different lineup from usual. Roberto Alarcon playing on the right wing with kind of Dan Klomp yeah. in behind him. The left wing was Mickey Cantavi, and then. Jose Escalante playing the left back. So Tommy Wielden Jr. threw some curveballs at this one as they sort of tried to maybe plug up the midfield because Forge loves playing in that midfield. They tried to get the balls wide and play in transition a little bit more than they usually do. Uh, and it worked a little bit. It worked in the first half, certainly, to score a goal. But uh, again, I think probably 1-1 is a fair result from this game. I, I, I think uh, I don't think either side really did enough to put the other one down too much and, and go come away with this with any more than the draw. Yeah, I agree with that. I watched the first half live. Then had to get to 
Starlight Stadium as that my task was the other game, which we'll get to later. Later, watch the second half. Um, tenacious, quite emotional, a bit of scuffles yeah. as well in the second half, but not too many <laughs> clear-cut chances. I think Cavalry would be very disappointed to take the lead at home and concede an equaliser from a set-piece, which is what they've been so good at this year. They've been yeah. so good on the offensive side of that, scored more set-piece goals than any team in the league, and then were able to be on the wrong end of that. Um, so, like I said, a difficult one for them, but, you know, sets it up a great great second leg in Hamilton on Sunday if you're thinking about going go because it's going to be fantastic. Get your tickets at Tim Hortons Field at 5 o'clock Eastern for uh, the best rivalry in the league, it has to be said, and it'll carry on in that second leg. A reminder, if it's tied after 90 minutes, go straight to penalties. There are no away goals as a tiebreaker in the Canadian Premier League semifinals this year. Uh, any chats, any conversations or any topics put in the chat? Um, we'll, t- we'll get to most of them unless you want to talk about something like country music, which is what Ryan wants Charlie to talk about. Uh, of course, Charlie likes country music because Charlie loves music anyway. So there you go. Uh, let's bring in our man Benedict Rhodes, who brings his World Cup stickers and his insight. He was also a correspondent on this game. Uh, Benny, let's roll the highlights and uh, give us some thoughts on what you were thinking as you covered this one as well. Yeah, like, like you said, it was a very tenacious is a good word for it. The, it was, the first half was... You know, Forge came out very, very strong. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see here they had some some very good chances in the first couple of minutes, uh, including Janssen hitting the crossbar here. And, and you know, they, they came out strong, but then Calvary kind of slowly but surely built into the game as we kind of expected them to. And and then they had a couple of good chances of their own and, and sort of it was pretty evenly matched, I'd say, until Dan Klomp got his head on the ball and, and, and Calvary took the lead. And uh, I think that was probably the worst time Forge could have conceded a goal or anything could concede a goal was right before halftime. And, uh, but, the, but they they responded well. They came, they came out and they scored immediately after. And and these two teams kind of battled for the rest of this game. And I think if you're you know, looking ahead to a second, like these two teams with everything to play for with no away goals, you know, it's basically a one-game elimination match, I guess, to go to, go to the final. So I think that's a very exciting prospect for CBL fans. Yeah, it's, it's it's a great point. You see Klump there with the header. That was a pretty unusual goal. It was a little bit of a transition. It certainly was not a set-piece header like we saw here from Wubens Passius, which is a great delivery and by Cal Becker at a crucial time. We're going to get more into this in a second as we watch the second-half highlights play out and Forge getting that absolutely vital equalizer. I want to get more into Forge in a second, but let's stay with Cavalry uh, for a second, Charlie. And before we hear from reaction, we're going to hear from some of the players as well as the coach in a second. After this goal went in, were you left a little bit um, underwhelmed by what Cavalry were able to come up with after that in the second half, seeing that they were the home team, or was it a case of a team playing almost knowing that it was a case of two legs? It was a strange one. Maybe a little bit more the latter there than the former, although I think Cavalry definitely were less happy to come out with a draw than Forge were, like, yep. undoubtedly, obviously being the home team and everything. I did think on the whole in this game it's maybe a weird thing to say but i felt like more went to plan for cavalry than it did for forge because it seemed like they wanted to give up a little bit of the ball they you know several of, of their players and i think tommy wilden jr mentioned specifically that they wanted to hit forge in transition they knew that you know for example when alex Janssen steps up into midfield they felt like there was a gap there that they could exploit if they could win the ball and, you know, they, they scored the goal by winning the ball in that kind of situation, playing it quickly to Joe Mason and then playing the cross in. Uh, I think maybe what didn't happen in the second half was winning the ball quickly enough and getting upfield like that. Cause a lot of the time forge kind of anticipated a little bit more, maybe started to adjust to that sort of tactic a little bit better. They started getting back more. And then the last maybe 10 minutes of this game, obviously, as you would probably expect from a team at home in a playoff game, all cavalry with the ball. They're mostly in the attacking third, but on kind of the edges of it. Uh, 
kind of next next to the box, specifically that right side. I can remember, I think Ben Fisk came into the game and Gote Antigny came into the game and they are kind of trying to play these little quick passes into the box that just never really found the right spot, never set up for somebody to really shoot. So all of these, all this pressure, all this possession never really turned into opportunities to actually send the ball at the net to take these kind of shots. The only one I can really think of is is the ball sort of falling for Joe Di Chiara in the box and he skies it because he's, you know, God, God love him, he's not a great finisher yeah. <laughs> at the moment. But uh, yeah, I think Calvary probably a little bit disappointed that they didn't maybe find another one of those chances, especially after conceding. And we know, as you mentioned, Christian, how much it hurts Tommy Wielden Jr. to concede from a set piece, especially right after halftime when they have a lead. Uh, that's you know very uncharacteristic of them. So I think I was a little surprised that that next moment didn't quite come for them. Yeah, that will be certainly something they'll be disappointed in. Although Tommy Wilden Jr. after the game was his usual, um, you know, positive self, and, and he caught, caught up with Charlie on the pitch. Here's what he had to say after this game. The way that you score your goal, kind of a transition, a long ball up to mm-hmm. Joe, and then a great cross into to Dan Clomp making a really good run. Yeah. Uh, that's got to be maybe something that you talked about as a way that you could hit forge in transition. Absolutely, their strength is also their weakness, right? When you know they're very gung ho in going forward, they leave gaps, and we knew that if we would win the ball, they they would leave some gaps, and we could exploit it with our pace. And I think we had one or two other moments to do that and didn't capitalize. But what a great uh, great pass from Ali Musi to recognize Joe Mason's movement. You know, I know uh, Ollie Platt had talked about it before, and those two, you know, see each other and feel each other and and then Joe's done great he's paused played waited for Clompy to get in there and great delivery terrific header love that in many ways also Tommy giving Ali Platt a little bit of love after his tactical talk about on pre-game with Ali Moosey getting together with Joe Mason the big combination in a lot of these games yeah. and Tommy certainly realized that as well uh with more here is midfielder Elijah Adekubi on the pitch with Charles Elijah, 1-1, 90 minutes out of 180. What do you think of this first leg? It was intense. I think everyone's seen that. The atmosphere was crazy, and I think two teams went to war today. Um, I think we had some chances that we could have capitalized on a little bit more. Um, I think we also probably allowed them to be a little bit too comfortable at home. We could have applied a little bit more pressure, but that's that's what they like to do. And ultimately, we've got another 90 minutes next week, and we're going to go to war again. Pretty good battle in midfield yourself, Elliot, Ali, it's their three. What did you see out there from kind of your position? I mean, for me, what they do well is they, they like to overload the midfield, so Borges comes in a little bit, and it's they almost play with the four in there. So for us, it's almost a case of just dealing with that. Um, and then when, when we have the ball, I think we all have our own qualities. We want to get on the ball and, and get the team up the pitch. And we know the midfield is the heartbeat of their team, and we also have a good midfield. So when two good midfields go against each other, it's always going to be tight. But ultimately, it was a stalemate today. Lots of love for Calvary, more love for Charlie in the chat from the likes of Thomas, Ryan, Otto, all loving the hair. Uh, more importantly, Charlie, what was, it, what was it like doing the interview in front of the uh, the noise there, the big, the, 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 the loud crowd, the loud crowd, crowd? That was fun. It was great. Yeah, it was great. I again, as, as I said, I'd never been to Spruce Meadows before. I didn't realize that it's actually, I think, even louder there than it comes through on te- on television on the broadcast. Definitely agree with especially that. Especially with the the roof on the stand on, on one end, and then just the the Futsal just being so close right over the pitch. It's got to be intimidating for an away player. And you could just feel in those last five minutes of stoppage time when Calvary are playing towards that end and they're just buzzing around the penalty area, you could feel how much that place was about was going to explode if they'd scored a goal, if they'd managed to find that winner. Uh, but again, the atmosphere was phenomenal. There's smoke and, and everything when they scored. It was just a, a real, real proper kind of football cup atmosphere. It was great. Benedict, before we get on to hearing from Dan Clump, do you think or did you see enough from Calvary that fills you with confidence that they can get the job done this weekend? 
I think so. I think I think the game was pretty evenly matched, but I, I'd probably just give Cavalry the edge. I think, like Charlie said, they, they probably did more of what they wanted and got more out of the game than they wanted than Forge did. And uh, I think, you know, Cavalry, they're, they're a team who, who always has a chance in, in any game for the most part. And, and you know, they, they won't be scared of playing Tim Hortons Field. They, they won't be, you know, hesitant to, to go and try to win that game. And I think that, that that'll serve them well. And, and of course, you know, Forge will do the same thing in their home stadium, but uh, I, I do think Calvary will, will definitely have a chance in, to make it to that final. Just remarkably close, all these games they've played this season. Five games now, all decided by one goal or less. Just remarkable to see how close they are. It's going to be a battle, no doubt about it. All right, um, you guys get your stickers out. Let's rip a pack. And while we get you to rip a pack, we'll listen to what the goal-scoring hero man himself is, Dan Klump. Well, if you look at the match, and I don't think we started that, that great in the first five minutes. Um, I think they had the upper hand. Uh, giving away a couple big chances, but um, making the 1-0 uh, feels very good just before half-time. And then the way we start the second half is not, not like justifiable. It's very, very hard to uh, make them score the 1-1 one, one, one minute in the second half. So I feel like uh, it's okay going there uh, with a draw. Um, I feel confident going into the next game, though. Really happy for Dan for the goal. Just a great header too. A lot, a lot about the ball was discussed by Mason uh, and also Moosey, but that ball and the header down to prevent Tristan Henry from reacting to save it was a good one as well. Uh, boys, you rip your packs. Who have you got here? Let's have a look. Uh, we're gonna go full screen with Charlie first. Let's do that. Charlie, you, you, go got, first? you got your five guys here. What? Oh, I do. This is pretty good. I, oh, nice. Definitely the best pack I've ripped on this show before. Charlie's um, happy with start... stickers. Breaking news. I've got. Uruguayan midfielder from Lazio, Matias Vicino. Nice. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, I'll put him last for dramatic effect. I've got uh, I've got Luke Shaw. Okay. There you go. This is all right. And it's okay. Uh, Ilke Gundogan. This is good. This is That's really a class good. player. Yeah. Uh, Virgil van Dijk. No way. Wow. Yeah. And then my personal favorite from this pack. Uh, legend. The uh, Polish Cafu. Matty, Matty Cash. Cash. Let's Get go. in, mate. About time we had something to smile about. Best pack I've opened fan. by far. Yeah, we haven't had much to smile about being Villa fans at the moment. And uh, no. as of taping, our, our manager is still uh, still in charge. <laughs> so maybe that'll change in the morning. For now. Uh, but yeah, but Benedict, uh, you usually win these uh, sticker pack battle battles. According to some, you cheat. I don't know if that's true. Uh, but uh, whether you're cheating or not, let's find out your five. You can, you can believe it to be true if you like. Okay. Uh, I've got uh, a Germany badge. Can't uh, claim any German doesn't players. Doesn't help you in a five-a-side game. No. <laughs> same, with, same with the 11 Brazilian team. From yeah, you may have to open another pack here. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to do it in two packs this time. So yeah. you can be used to cheating. Okay. <laughs> uh, Lucas Paqueta. Okay, that's pretty player. good. Yeah. Uh, Gideon Mensah from Ghana. Okay. And uh, Andrea Zivkovic from Serbia. There you go. All right. Well, Charlie's in the lead for sure. We've got Mitchell and AGR to open sure. later. And uh, while you guys open another one, let's get some um, let's get some forge from the Hamilton side. Forge reaction uh, in this one. Let's go to um, let's listen to Wubens Passius, who joined Charlie on the pitch after this one. Wubens, I, I know that you kind of went through a bit of a dryer spell there. It's got to be a really good time for you to get back on the board. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really nice to to score, especially for strikers. And uh, like I said, um, it's it's difficult to to be in this uh, season, score a lot of goals, and go to through that that stretch without a goal. So I, I feel like today uh, the team needed that goal, and I, it's feel really good. 
came at a great time for you guys as well. You concede right before halftime. You come out after halftime and equalize. What was kind of the mood in the dressing room at halftime? At halftime? What did Bobby say to you guys to get you guys to come back out so strong? Everyone was focused. Uh, we knew that we were able to go get that, that goal uh, to tie the game, and that's what we did uh, at the beginning of the second half. And everyone was focused at the good mentality, and I think it shows uh, during the second half. Great interview. Great job, Charlie. Before we get your sticker packs, a couple of things. Yeah, Mateus Cash, love that. Um, Rubens had gone 10 games without scoring a goal to end the yeah. regular season. His last goal was at the beginning of August. He still got double-digit goals. He's a nominee for under-21 player of the year. He had a really good 2022, but 10 games without a goal. You could see it was burden, a, a real burden. You could see the relief, Charlie, when he got that goal. And that could be massive now for this team going forward. No, because he's going to get the nod again as a nine. He saw that Hamilton wasn't involved. Campbell got very few minutes. He's going to start next week. And now a goal you know, usually comes with other goals. That's the momentum that, that, that the Forge needed in this one. Right. That's the thing. I don't think there could have been a better time for Wubens to break that drought. And as we've seen with him before, when he gets into a groove, he is absolutely deadly and he does not score one goal and then go another long period without scoring again. Right. He scores in absolute torrents. So uh, I, that's very good news for Forge. I don't think there's a player that they needed to get going more than Wubens Pasias at this moment. And if he is you know able to to kind of get that confidence back and he goes into that home leg remembering what it feels like to score and and having that confidence within him uh, i think that that could, there could be very good things in forge's future because again forger always a team that's going to have a lot of the ball they're always going to get into the attacking third it's just having that focal point that sometimes isn't quite there mm -hmm. but if that can be Paseas, they're a very very dangerous team in that attacking third so i think that's something that Cavalry will probably be talking about this week. They're thinking if, if he is back in form, we need to be extra careful with marking him and not losing him in the box. That That's the positive. I think the negative is, again, only one goal, although the close games come in the, in the playoffs. We know that. Uh, and they, But they did end the season really struggling to score goals as well. Bobby Smith also referred to them as brilliant uh, in the first half. Was that true? And did they really look a little bit back to their best, Benedict? Or do you still think there's a few signs for, for growth and concern maybe heading into the second leg? Uh, I think they started the half brilliantly and they, end, they didn't end it brilliantly, you know, obviously conceding the goal. But I think, you know, they kind of lost some momentum as, as the half went on. Um, I, th I think, you know, that that is the progression they need to do. They need to have that full 90-minute match where from, from minute one to minute 90, they're, they're in it the whole time. And, 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 you know, defensively, we know they're sound. Offensively, like you said, they didn't finish the season on the best note, and 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 that's going to be the the challenge, I guess, when you get back home is is to to build on Passy's confidence, build on on Becker, you know, getting the, the free kick in there, and, and build on this and and find more goals in the second leg. It has to be said, Kyle Becker was missing for a large stretch of the end of the season because he missed the three-game suspension. Um, had been taken off a couple of times as well in key moments of the game. Didn't full, play the full ninety as he got his fitness level back up, but. In big games, in any sport, big players step up in big moments, Charlie. And that free kick delivered was... It was one of those where you look at it at first, and I'm thinking, should Carducci have come for that? It was so close. But the way the ball was delivered in, and, and there was two defenders, I think Escalante was one, and I forget who the other one was. They probably, as a goalkeeper, you can't blame him. You think they're going to be dealt with. But the way that the free kick was sent in at a crucial time says, again, a lot about Becker. Yeah, yeah, it does. And it, you know, Forge have had a few different kinds of ways that they deal with set pieces this year, even in this game alone. I think in the first half, they had a number of corners. Some of them they whipped in. Some of them, Becker and Borges did the little double routine that they like to do where they try and get some movement in the box. 
this one, you know, obviously it's a free kick, not a corner, but basically a corner from the same yeah. sort of area. Becker just whips it in right really low across uh, the six yard box. And I think Cavalry maybe weren't expecting something quite that simple from Forge, but it, it does. It comes right over. I think it's Mason Trafford's head just barely skims over him. And it's right there for Pasillas who makes you know the right run. And he manages to get himself just that little bit of separation to get his head on the ball. Uh, so again, it's a, a well done set piece, a really good goal, fantastic delivery, but also one that Cavalry will be pretty annoyed with. Yeah, crucial time for them to score as well right after halftime. Uh, all right, before we reveal the stickers to find out what Benny and Charlie got, let's hear. Uh, let's go back for more reaction and hear from Forge FC head coach Bobby Smith-Yotis. You go into halftime down a goal almost immediately after you guys come back out here, you strike back and you equalize. That's got to be gratifying as a coach. Yeah, 100%. We talked about it at halftime. You know, we've been here earlier in the year. We've gone down in all three matches we've played here, and we've been able to spin a goal back. And we just gave him the same message because the first half was was brilliant, I thought, with our with our team. We had one letdown on on that goal um, that we'll obviously go back and look at. But I thought it was very positive, and that was the message in the locker room. Just keep at it. Keep doing what we're doing. Make sure we're on the front foot, and the goal's going to come. And to score from a set piece, that's always nice because it's something that you work on the training pitch. You know, it was a great delivery in, and you got to be happy with that one. Yeah, it's something uh, we obviously work on, and it's uh, it's the moments in the game. You know, those moments can change games, and in playoff games, I think they're they're very important um, because that alleviates a lot of things. It's an early goal in the second half, and it, I think it settles us down for the rest of the half. Bobby mentioned it there: five points from losing positions this year against Cavalry alone uh, for the Hamilton-based yeah. team. So, uh, you know, including a win, uh, you know, when Joe Mason scored them in the first minute, and then they went and got two more on that same pitch. Uh, all right, Charlie, let's see uh, your all-star team. Is it packed? Is you got, you got better players? What are you looking at for your second? Well, my second pack is uh, just kind of pathetic, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> so it's a good thing the first one is so good. Let's. This is no disrespect to these very talented footballers that I've pulled, but uh, I've got Jibril So of, uh, I think, Eintracht Frankfurt okay, yeah. in Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, Martin Hongla from Cameroon. Okay. Can't really see that. There we go. Have you got, you, have you got your sticker book yet, by the way? Put these in? Have you not I, got have. Yet? I have. Oh, I've nice. got a sticker book. Okay. I have. I've got, got a bunch lots of, of uh, Lots of Belgians for some reason. Well, <laughs> I got a bunch of swaps I'll bring into your office tomorrow. So. All right. All right. We'll, we'll talk about it. I've got Ryan Grant here. Nice. Who uh, I think plays in the A League. Probably not going to make got, the five side team, is he? I don't think so, and I don't think either of these uh, badges are going to make it either. Qatar or Japan. Two badges in the same pack. Two badges in the same pack. So wow. not a great one. So I think my five side might be the five players I pulled the first time. But interesting. Anybody want Charlie to open another one? Let us know in the chat because you got two badges. That's not very fair. Uh, Benedict, you got another pack. What are you, what are you looking at? Do you have uh, I have a Polish player as well, Jakob Motor. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, a Swiss player, Sylvain Widmer. Okay. Uh, Oscar Duarte from Costa Rica. Saw a lot in qualifying. Solid. All right. All right. Uh, Edward Militao from Brazil. Good player. Yeah. And got a Canadian to finish it off with Kamal Miller. Nice. <laughs> Let's go. There nice. we go. Congratulations to Kamal Miller and the CF Montreal team, by the way, on Sunday. Yeah. What about that performance? Uh, six, that's right, six Canadians in the team. Um, not only brush aside at Orlando City, but dominated them. Zero Americans in the Orlando lineup, if I remember correctly as well. Is that right? Oh, there you go. So, there you <laughs> go. so that's the other thing about the way they put their team together. Uh, but yeah, dominated them aside. And there's Melkone with a brilliant goal as well. And Mihalovic finished off with a penalty. Just watching that when I got home after yesterday's trip home, that was terrific to watch. And was certainly cheering them on because, let's be honest, 
see if Montreal doing well carries on into the World Cup, right? When you've got six yep. players, you know, John Herdman at home is thinking, can we just get more of these players playing as long as possible until the World Cup? That would certainly help. So uh, Healthy, every, though. Yeah, that's true. Keep them healthy as well. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was fun. Uh, all right, uh, let's uh, before we say bye to Benedict, and he goes and picks his five-a-side team from his uh, just two packs this week. Um, let's put up the schedule board and remind you of what's going on for next weekend before we get into the next game. Uh, these are the two semifinals that head next week, and that's right, they flip. Uh, we are in Ottawa at two o'clock Eastern for the second leg of the game that went second last week as Atletico Ottawa take a two-nil lead into the Pacific game, and we'll certainly talk about that coming up very, very soon. And then, of course. Forge against Cavalry at 5 o'clock Eastern live on Sunday from Tim Hortons Field where the battle will be to see who gets the final between those two rivals. That certainly will be fantastic to watch as well. Uh, all right, Benedict, we appreciate you. We've let you go. And before we bring in Mitchell and AGR for this one, uh, we go back to Pacific and we roll the hype video for what was a tremendous game for certainly for the visitors. double their lead late and we double our guests as Mitchell Tierney and AGR join us. <laughs> Gentlemen, great to see you. Uh, thanks for both joining us. That was fantastic as well uh, to have you both here. Uh, before we get into some more reaction, let's give me, let's, let's find out your thoughts. You were both on this. AGR was in the stadium with me. Mitchell, you're our correspondent all over this as well, talking about guys. I'll start with you, Mitchell, as we roll the highlights in here as well to just get a proper good look at it. But how did you feel about this, putting the match report together? And be honest, were you starting to think like many of us that this was going to end nil-nil? Yeah, it was. Because honestly, I think it was a defensive masterclass from, from both sides uh, for different reasons. Uh, first and foremost, Ottawa doing what Ottawa does absolutely best, which is being willing to, to give up the territorial advantage, being willing to to give up you know some of those possession stats as well, but at the same time stopping exactly what Pacific wanted to do at their best. They allowed them almost no transitional moments, and they didn't allow them to play the ball on the ground into dangerous areas. Sure, they could have the air, but you know they, they didn't have Gennaro Daniels or um, any other player in there who was really going to get on the end of any of those crosses. So um, they... they recognize that coming in and, and with Cam Habibula leading the line, that was their their main thing. I thought Pacific did a great job before the end of the game as well of really cutting out those same transitional opportunities for Ottawa. They worked really hard at stopping that first pass, the one that is so dangerous from Ottawa, breaking lines, that sort of thing. They had six interceptions in the, the final third to, to cut out those passes. And guys like Habibula um, were quick to, you know, should they lose the ball, try to make sure that, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't going to end up going the other way quickly. But Eventually, as Ottawa always seems to, you know, they uh, they found their moments. 
Yeah, they did find their moments. As you said, it's been it's almost a trademark of the way they play this year. HR, what did you think in the stadium, particularly when Balu got that goal? I think with no doubt everybody in the stadium would admit it, including Callum himself, just a mistake by the goalkeeper. But is it fair to say that that probably comes because of the lack of uh, action for him? Like it almost felt like he wanted to come and do something because they, they he, I mean, so anyone didn't see it to, over, to understate this. Like he, he barely had anything to do in terms of that second half. And then he almost, you almost feel like he, he came out wanting to do something when he had that moment. What do you think about that? Yeah, and I mean, this game was so complex on many reasons, which is why I loved it. It really, I think terms like chess match, tactical battle gets thrown out around a lot, but I think it genuinely was. It was one of those where you had two styles and it, it came down to game theory. It came down to who could get those moments. And I think the moment that was maybe a bit understated on the goal because uh, all the attention that Irving got was the pass from Ali Bassett. If you have a chance, watch it again. Because uh, that's what I noticed in the stadium is that well, as soon as Ollie Bassett played that ball, it looked like it was going to fly into Callum Irving's box. And I think that's kind of what happened there. He, he He's a guy who likes to be aggressive off his line. He's like, okay, this is something I can sweep up and give my team maybe an edge. And then the ball just died. It, it was remarkable. It's something you see on grass. Uh, but the backspin that Ollie Bassett put on it just died. And all of a sudden, Irving's caught in no man's land. And you have Blue Tabla storming down on you. And that's the rest of the theory. And that's, I think that's kind of was fitting. That, that, that was the kind of goal that you know, broke open the game because it was so tight fought. It was so defensively sound that it felt like one moment of brilliance was going to break it open. We saw close flashes of it. I mean, that that Jordan Brown turn and finish could have very well been that moment, but Nathan Ingham, as he did all game, stood up strong. And in the end, it was Ollie Bassett's right foot. Uh, I found that much as he did all season for Ottawa, that that broke things open at the right moment for his team. Yeah, Nathan Ingham was tremendous. We'll hear from him again later in the show. But first, some reaction from the home team. It was a special day, no doubt, heading into that day. The first ever playoff game at home for the champions. Hard to say when they've already won it away from home. Hard to say when they've had great nights in the cha- in the Champions League and also in the Canadian Championship with big wins over the Whitecaps. But this was their first ever home playoff game. And their first ever employee is now their current head coach. A big special day indeed for James Merriman. But it did not end the way he would want it. Here's his reaction at Starlight Stadium after this one. What was the overall mood when you got together in the huddle after the game? Disappointment, frustration. Um, we spoke about how Ottawa was going to play all week long. We knew what we needed to do in, in terms of the final third and the final act and the creativity and the change of speed to create chances when they were going to defend in lower areas. And, and I thought we, we lacked a little bit of that. So that's what you felt in the huddle. Everybody's frustrated. For sure. You went with Cam Habibula, who seemed to get on the ball quite a lot. Mm. What was it that was missing a little bit in that final third? Was it more of a just a personnel thing or a tactical thing, adjustment? What needed to be done? I thought I thought Cam did an excellent job. He, he kept the ball uh, in great areas. Mm. He allowed us to get up higher. It's the it's the next movement. It's the next. Who's going to get in behind? Is it Josh Kunle? Bustos, is it Manu, is it Sean? That's where that, that final act, that last act needs to come. I didn't think we were aggressive enough with it or direct or ruthless enough in those spaces. Even there's a lot of good crosses and good opportunities where we're not attacking the ball. You don't do that, you don't score, we can't, can't win a game. All right, let's get into this, fellas. I want all your opinions on this because you're all great tactical minds. And sometimes we get talked about tactics and sometimes it's personnel. And I think what we heard from there from James was that there was nothing wrong in his opinion. I'd want to know your thoughts. In his opinion, with the setup, he still felt after going with what was a, a bit of a brave and a, a bit of a, 
a, a lineup choice that many people thought was out of, you know, a left field. You know, Javi Bueller had only started six games. He felt it worked tactically, but they didn't do what they needed to do beyond that. Mitchell, start with you. Do you think James was right? And did, was he late to change it? Or do you think there was something else that could have been done differently to ignite this, this attack? Well, worth mentioning that he was, you know, start for options a little bit. Gennaro Daniels and Johnny Dos Santos both missing the game through injury. So that is worth mentioning as well. Um, I thought for large parts it did actually work. Like he said, Cam Habibula was very solid um, in, in doing his role and them playing it into him. Um, but again, you know, they they got the balls into, into those dangerous areas out wide, but Ottawa's just so good at defending those inside channels and no one really made those runs. And even, you know, when they're playing those crosses in, no one's attacking those Ottawa defenders. They can just knock them out back to safety. And there was too many of those opportunities where guys were maybe waiting a little further back and not just charging the box. So um, I, I think that me, I think the Habibula thing worked out, but maybe some of the other areas, you know, some of the players running onto, like you said, it just wasn't there for them. HR, you were in the press box. I was on the sidelines just acting like a second cameraman for our main man, Kenny Edwards. But there was one time when Josh, Josh Hurd came right by me in the first half and locked up, went to cross the ball and just passed it back inside and put his hand up. In, in other words, like there's literally nobody in the box I can't cross this ball into right now. Um, just, that was just an observation of mine. What, what did you think of, of, of the tactics and, and maybe the formation? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I feel like tactically... You know, it can be a two-sum game at some times. I feel like the approach that one team does, it also doesn't necessarily take away from the approach of the other. And I think, of course, credit has to be given to Ottawa for their tactical approach. Yeah. But I think if you're Pacific, there are a lot of figures as well that you can be happy with. I mean, the XG was pretty much bang on. Like, the fact that it was a 2-0 game and you look at the XG, the chances created, it was very equal. The only difference is... Ottawa's game plan can stomach that they can they're okay with absorbing pressure and they don't need high xg chances to score so then we start to get into the semantics of it so I think for Pacific I can agree with them in the sense that okay they did play some nice soccer they had some good passages of possession they were getting the ball in the good areas but what I also could say on their end is they lacked a final act and I think that's where James Merriman was bang on in his press conference where he was saying they lacked that final act that was very true I mean the Josh Hurd is a great example. There was several other occasions where they just whipped in a cross and you'd almost wonder, like, what if they had an Alejandro Diaz in that box? What if they had some sort of focal point number nine who could at least disrupt, who could at least do something uh, in the box? So I think it was, it was tough for, for Merrimix. Yeah, no options. No Daniels certainly could have helped. Uh, but at the same time, you do wonder, uh, for example, I feel like someone like Sean Young maybe could have been a bit more disruptive in the box. I know obviously that was something that was asked of him was to sit a little deeper and attack the edge of the box. But I do wonder if Merriman maybe could have tweaked it so that Sean Young could at least just barrel in because he's so big and maybe leave some space at the edge of the box. But at the end of the day, I think uh, Pacific was right in their summation that it, their plan was right up until that final act, that final ball, that final finish. Yeah, you bring up Diaz there, who obviously still continues to play well in Norway. Uh, a big conversation in the chat from Thomas. Uh, Mitchell and AGR, you can open your World Cup pack while I ask Charlie this one. Charlie, uh, one of the CPL's biggest what-ifs if, will be if Alejandro Diaz never left, stayed for CONCACAF and this. Uh, any thoughts on that, Charlie? Well, obviously, <laughs> a massive difference, right? Like, no disrespect yeah. to Cam Habibula, but... That's just an enormous piece if if he's playing for James Merriman right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think if Alejandro Diaz is in that lineup and Pacific do the exact same thing, they probably score at least once, probably twice, maybe three times. Um, if you just look at kind of the way that this game went down, I mean, 
Pacific had 73 entries into the final third and 19 touches in the box, right? Only five of those in the first half as well. So I do think that to an extent they maybe could have changed things up a little bit earlier in this game because it clearly wasn't working with the the crosses they were whipping into the box. You know, when you are trying to get down to those low areas next to the box and just send it in to the six yard area. When you're playing a team that's going to sit back like Ottawa were in first stretch of this game, it's a little bit easier for them to defend, especially they've got center backs that are good in the air. Diego Espejo, especially able to really clean up most of that. Uh, But and Pacific's wingers are very good with their feet. So I think you might, you maybe would have wanted to see a little bit more movement, kind of trying to stretch out the lines, play cutbacks into the box, try and like keep the ball on the ground a little bit more yeah, uh, to try and play through them a little bit more. Cause you know, clearly I think there's a point in this game where you could see that Pacific were really missing that sort of focal point in the middle. If they were going to send these crosses into, it seemed like a lot of them, you know, I, in theory, you're looking for Habibullah, but he's not necessarily the profile of player that, is you know that's that's not really who he is as a player right and he's obviously asked to do the job and maybe he is able to do it but he's it's not you know necessarily what he shines at it's not what he's done in his career uh so i think that there were definitely other ways that pacific maybe might have tried to break down this ottawa team but you know again if uh, if just one of those finds happy bull's head then maybe we're talking differently because they, again they did get to the right areas and they did have some sustained pressure that, you know, in most circumstances, generally you're able to find at least one or two. Yeah, all great points. And I think the combination of all of you are spot on. The, the only caveat to any of that, I would say, is that Diaz scores a lot of one-touch goals. You know, it, it's not like he's a build-up merchant himself. Uh, he did play 18 games this season and Ottawa finished with an XG of 30. Seventh in the league, only Edmonton was less. Sorry, Pacific finished with an XG of 30, only Edmonton was less, even when he played 18 games. So there is something clearly that still lacks when Diaz was there and that was obviously now magnified when he's not. Um, I just would have loved to see Diaz up against Espeo and Camus. I think that would have been an all-star kind of caliber game. Like, see what he could have got there because we're going to get onto the two Spaniards in a minute. Um, uh, let's find out what you guys got in your opening packs uh, before we hear from more from some, from some more reaction from Starlight Stadium. Uh, Mitchell, who, who you got any more Leicester players this week or what? No, um, I've been stitched <laughs> up a little bit here. I also got two teams. We got Saudi Arabia and we got Senegal as well. Okay, um, that's not going to help you, is it? No, I'm not going to help at all. Uh, we do have a goalkeeper, uh, Gregor Kobel of Switzerland. So, okay, um, we'll add that. Um, and then Anis Slimane of Tunisia. Yeah. Um, and some quality to end it, though. Pedri, uh, a great oh, player. Go. So, yeah, so that, that'll be good for my team. Yeah. But, well, yeah. But one of the main things I love about Mitchell is that he does not hide his emotions. You can just tell around <laughs> his face. He's just absolutely gutted. With Awful at poker. Awful. <laughs> just, oh, I feel so sorry for you. You got to open another pack right now. I feel like like my son on Christmas morning, not getting a present he wants or something. Poor Mitch. Uh, AGR, can we uh, see if you've got anything better? Yeah, I'm opening it blind, so I have no idea. But to start, I got. Argentina, okay. kind of cool, I guess. That's cool. But it's cool for your album, anything, just but... not for a five-a-side game. <laughs> yeah, I got Peter Zielinski. That's a good little midfielder on the the darlings of Europe right now, Napoli. So I can't. Yeah, these can't polls, hit that. all the polls tonight. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we got Bulaidia, great yeah. number nine uh, from uh, from Senegal. I can't complain with that. Yeah. Um, we got Portuguese Gonzalo Juarez yeah. from the Premier League, decent little winger there, and then. Double teams for both of us because I got Cameroon as well to add to uh, Argentina. So great right. for my album. 
not much for the team. All right, you guys go open a couple, uh, go open another pack. And in the meantime, we'll go back to Starlight Stadium and hear from defender Nate Mavilla on their chances going into the second leg. Football changes very quickly, you know. Um, I think with that experience, we can, we can definitely turn it around. Um, with our quality, we can definitely turn it around. Um, with the personnel, with the, with the depth of the squad, we can definitely turn around. Um, look at, for example, Cam Habibullah. He didn't get much opportunity this season. Came straight in up top as a false nine. Unreal. So I'm sure with, with our squad and with our depth and with everyone that's playing, we can definitely turn around. We've got it in us. We've got it in us. It's just hard work and um, I'm sure we can do it. Anyone who knows Nate knows he's one of the most positive guys around. He's just full of energy and you can see about, I believe him. Listen yeah. to him, but uh, do, do we all believe him? This uh, let's get into the size of their task here. Uh, is it is miracle a strong enough? Is that too strong, Charlie? Are you? All, am I allowed to say it would be a miracle if they pull this off uh, against it, the champs at home, a team that doesn't concede goals? Very difficult. Got to go there and win at least two uh, by yeah. two. And then win on penalties or score by three. Is miracles it, a strong word, but I think it might be a miracle. It would be certainly the closest thing we've seen to one in the Canadian Premier League. I think Benedict, um, the private chef, said their task is massive. Is that fair? That, that yeah, it, it is. It is. I think uh, everybody can see just how difficult it's been for teams to go to Ottawa and score twice. But I will say. Yeah, maybe silver lining or, or the glimmer of hope here for Pacific is that the last team to go to Ottawa did score twice to overturn a 2-0 deficit in like the last 20 minutes of a game. That's right. So it's possible. Well, it is. Yeah. That's York United, of course. Uh, so it is possible. It has been done. And it has to be said, sorry, Ottawa fans, uh, Valor got six and Forge got four this year. It's been done. Yeah. So... You know, we have been able to do it. We know how good you've been, but there has been those aberrations. So we'll find we'll, we'll find out about that. Uh, AGR, what do you think? And maybe you can take this a little bit into what do you think about the way Ottawa defended on on on, on Saturday as well, because it goes hand in hand. Though I mean, we know Espeo suspended. Becky comes in. That's a pretty good replacement. Likely, you know, they were they were deep and defensive without having a lead in the tie, what do we expect them to be on, on Saturday? And do they have to find a balance this Sunday to, to try and make sure they're not get too deep again? I think it's going to be for Ottawa. I mean, obviously all the advantages play in their favor. And I think it'll kind of benefit them if they're going to defend the same way. Cause I think they kind of know that they can almost dare Pacific be like, Hey, you guys don't have, you've lost Diaz. You don't necessarily have that proper number nine. Even if Gennaro Daniels is in there, we haven't, you know, maybe seen enough from him to suggest he could be the, the solution in that regard. So they could just sit there and dare them, be like, hey, you know, do what you did in the first leg. If you have any new ideas, go for it. And then for, from there, that allows Baloo Tabla to, to really, you know, thrive and transition as he did. Maybe we see a start from Malcolm Shaw, who I thought, you know, when he came in, the game kind of shifted momentum as well as Zachary Bahus and let those three just kind of do their thing and transition. And then from there, the task is pretty straightforward. So it's obviously going to be very tough for Pacific because it's just the matter of, you know, Ottawa going to be set. They know what the, the result they need. They know they want to, you know, feel the home crowd. And then from there, it's can Pacific break this down? Because the, the thing is with Pacific, this has been a bit of a theme all, all season. They've almost been a better team when they're in the team that's in transition and attacking mm -hmm. with some of their pieces. So it's been, you know, a thing we've seen from them struggling to maybe break down low blocks. So uh, because of those things, I think Ottawa will 100% have an edge and they'll have to dare Pacific to do it. And if you're Pacific, you're going to have to get creative. Maybe you try playing Manny Aparicio as a false nine. Maybe you try sticking Sean Young in the box like I, I suggested earlier. Maybe you try going to back three and just let the wing backs 
you know, push a little more forward, knowing that, okay, Ottawa might be a little more defensive. I think you're going to have to get creative and pull a rabbit out of a hat. But, hey, Pacific has shown that they can do that on some occasions. So uh, they'll, they'll have to get creative. Yeah. What, what about Bustos in the middle, maybe? I don't know. Like, I just feel like anything down the wide, the wide areas, just put, coming into the box. Mitchell, you can talk this up. You did the game. Like, Camus and Espeo, the way they defended, I felt like Pacific could have played some Monday and they wouldn't have scored, mate. Like, it just went, it just was just like headed out every time. It was just like the Twin Towers. Acosta had a great block in the first half. We should give him some love as well. But the way that team defended was just remarkable no i think one of the best i know i saw it live but one of the best defensive displays i've ever seen in cpl history that were that good yeah absolutely and i mean nate ingham even said that after the match he's like look at their attacking players look at our defending players how many crosses is it going to take for them to win one in like a dangerous area um after the match and like you said that's how it felt um again they just took away what pacific do when they're at their very best and um pacific didn't have enough ideas otherwise and that's you know that's what a good defensive team does it takes away the the strongest points of the other team and um yeah they really just limited anything pacific did and that's again the concern going into the second leg is how can pacific come up with something um something dangerous enough to to get through that and to to beat that while at the same time you know protecting the you know two moments a match that ottawa can go the other way and will probably score on one of them so it's it's a very very tricky situation for them yeah no doubt about it difficult one you mentioned nate ingham let's go back to starlight stadium here's my chat with the goalkeeper who had a magnificent day nate ingham here on sunday on saturday you had to weather the storm today they had a lot of possession that second half but what does it say about the character of this group that you dug deep and able to get those two goals yeah it's all about character this locker room on the pitch but certainly off it every single guy's got personality and you see it on the pitch see a guy like verhoven come on and show it see a guy like bahus come on and show it it's uh it's fun to play with them and uh and i think we did our job we weathered the storm a little bit most shots were from outside and kept them like crosses outside we, we had it under control yeah let's get into that control is a great word Watching the game, I thought Espeo and Camus were absolutely marvellous. You've got a front row ticket to those two in front of your Costa too, but mm -hmm. how good defensively was the entire group tonight? The whole group's great. They're, they're absolute studs. Camus, Miguel, Drew, uh, Diego, uh, Max, everyone that comes in does the job. It's, uh, it's something that our coach talked to us early in the year. It's about enjoying defending, enjoying suffering a bit, and uh, I never heard it put that way. But uh, the, the group's bought into it. You know, there, there's moments you defend. Why not enjoy defending? And then when we get out and go, we get out and go, and we love that too. You know, the last time I had someone talk about enjoy defending, enjoy suffering, Diego Simeone. That's who I heard <laughs> that from. <laughs> AGR, back me up on this. It's, it's like watching them. That, it, that, it, I, I heard all those guys used to talk about that. You know, you, you talk about you know, the Uruguayan boys, Jimenez and Godin and, you know, Gabby and all those, Koke, they all talk about that all the time. It's the athletic way, no? Yeah, and I mean, that's the biggest thing from watching Athletic Ottawa, especially live. Like, they love defending. Like, every time they make a big tackle, you may as well have scored a goal or, you know, had a great chance rattle off the post. Like, when Miguel Acosta made that tackle, like, you felt everyone on the, their team just get a lift of energy. So, yeah, you do have to love defending. It's not fun. It's probably leaves some turf burns and some bruises and some bumps. And, you know, it's probably not a fun plane ride to be back with them with all the ailments that they have to deal with. But when it turns out the way it did, it's so majestic to watch. It's hard to describe a team that's so defensively in sync. It's something uh, something to behold. And obviously they've got that bought in and it showed on Saturday or yeah. Yeah, Saturday.
Yeah, exactly. I keep forgetting the days as well, buddy. Don't worry. We're all been, we've all been traveling a lot. Uh, Mitchell, before I hear from Carlos Gonzalez and we get some more stickers, I was asked today on Ottawa Radio about the stylistic of Ottawa and why they're you know, disliked across the league by other managers and other teams. Um, is that, is, my answer to that was, if that's your team, you just love it, no? Like, you love it anyway. But is there also something to be said that because they've come some, so far from let's just use it worst to first that they we're almost all open to the style for like if this was three years into their plan under Carlos Gonzalez and say they'd won two shields in a row doing this I think by the third or fourth year we might be like guys can you get a bit of playmakers and start opening it up a little bit like you know what I mean but right now it's it, it comes from how far they've come very quickly now is that fair Mitch? I think so. I mean, at the same time, you know, they did score a bicycle kick goal from the top of the box. They've scored some Olympicos. Like, there's been some tremendous uh, moments from them of, of individual skill as well. So it's not like this is the most, you know, again, boring teams usually don't score Puskas nominees. But um, yeah, I do think that there is there is something about that that there may be a bit a little bit more of a, a darling right now because they've come so far in in one year, and it, it might get more and more annoying. And you know, if you're if you're uh, obviously a team of a uh, different, you know, you, you don't support Atletico Ottawa and you're watching this, it is so frustrating because you really feel like your team is dominating. And um, Ottawa, they'll bristle at that. They'll be like, this is our plan. We want to like have Pacific have all the ball and come in and get comfortable. And um, yeah, they're waiting for them to, to make those one or two moments of mistakes um, that they know they will eventually. And maybe that's why they celebrate every one of those defensive moments because the more they can frustrate these teams, the, the more they have those, they know that they're going to get that chance for someone's going to misplay a pass. Someone's going to, you know, Callum Irving's going to get too excited and run out of his net. Like that's, those are the moments they're waiting for. So yeah, to, to answer your question, I think, you know, obviously probably if they keep doing this, it's going to get more and more frustrating for, for everyone. But uh, at the moment it's, it's an incredible story. So we'll keep padding with it. Yeah. Great point by you. They do have the Puskas nominee, I guess, hopeful uh, nominee uh, scored by the same player who no one's talking about again. who scored again, Charlie. I mean, Baloo, yeah. right? Like they still have this maverick at the top of the pitch. You can score a goal like that. You know, we're not talking about how wonderful a performance this is on the weekend. If Balu doesn't score, they're probably not going to score a second if Balu doesn't score the first, right? Without yeah. that moment of brilliance from Bassett and the finish from Balu, this is a nil-nil game, right? So, you know, they still have a lot of credit and Carlos Gonzalez has got a lot of credit. It is not just a defensive display. They've got the best out of the Maverick here, Balu Tablo at the top of the pitch all season, Charlie. That's exactly the thing. He's a difference maker. Ali Bassett's a difference maker. And the way that they play, yes, it's defensive in some ways, and they will absorb pressure. They'll let the other team have the ball. But it's not just like, oh, they're going to park the bus, and then if they win the ball, they'll hoof it downfield, and maybe one day they'll get a set piece. Maybe they'll score. They're not They're not Burnley. Like, they have <laughs> they talent up front. <laughs> they're not Burnley. They have talent up front. And clearly, they brought in players like Baloo Tabla on purpose, knowing that, you know, this was part of the plan that they were going to need a player who can strike in transition like that. Malcolm Shaw and Brian Wright are the same or have, have those sorts of skills as well to hit in transition. That bit of individual skill that puts them, you know, sets them apart in many ways. It was always part of the plan, I think, heading into this year that, yes, they were going to build that very strong defensive foundation. And then they were going to have the individual quality up front to turn you know, that solidity into attack, into goals, into push guys candidates right and it's those kinds of difference makers that are the reason that they're 
you know, that they won the regular season title and that they're in pole position to get into the CPL final. It's because they've got that base and that's kind of what allows the talented players further forward to be themselves and to, you know, express themselves and play what the football they want to. Yeah, but probably the one thing they have in common is Burnley had the twin towers of Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes. These guys have got Camus and Nespeo as their twin towers, just in a different position. Uh, that's the only thing they have in common. Uh, with more on this, let's go back and get some reaction from their head coach, Carlos Gonzalez. We'll get to you punishing them in a second. You're right, it's club, your, your club's first ever victory here. Um, open up your mind a little bit and let me know what you genuinely think here. When In the second half, when they're putting a lot of pressure on, at that point, are you thinking nil-nil's fine at this point? Uh, no, okay. no, because you know every time they are near to score us, they are a little bit more open, uh, okay. and, and and I felt that in those those were the moments that were going to appear through the game, and we will have our chances to to create more clear situations. So I think that we managed really well. We, we were capable to to suffer in certain moments mm-hmm. and and maintain the the competitiveness of the team, and I think that this is one of the key points throughout the season that we are having tough moments in the games, but the team is still competing and we are maintaining the results. It's a great point. You talk about suffer. Drew Becky said you've learned you've learned to suffer and embrace it. Carl Howard told me that they actually don't even feel like they're suffering yeah. at that point. They feel so comfortable now in the setup that you brought them. But how good were Espeo and Camus today? I thought they were marvelous. Yeah, I think it was a great team performance. But it's true that that Camus and Espejo, they they've arrived a few months ago, and and, and both you can see that they they are established in the, in the eleven, and they are doing a great job in the in the in a new league, in a new country. So I'm very proud of the job that they are doing. But also, you know, uh, all the team defensively, Drew, uh, uh, Max Tissot, uh, my Miguel Acosta, they are doing a great job. And also, I don't think it's only the job about, uh, from the defenders; it's, it's, it's right. a team teamwork. All right, Athletic, I want to fans. You got like three minutes to give yourself uh, a tagline in the chat. I want to hear what you're going to say. Athletic Ottawa, what's your tagline on your badge? Is it you can have the ball, lads? Is it uh, comfortable not being com- uncomfortable? Whatever you want. Come up with a tagline uh, while we get Mitchell's stickers. Mitchell's got a smile on his face. You got a better pack for us this time, mate? What do you got? Oh, it's not about the pack. It is definitely not about the pack. Um, yeah, we've got uh, we got a whole bunch of keepers in here. We got Muhammad Al Rubai. Whole um, bunch of keepers. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. How many, yeah. how many do you have? It's exactly what you need in a five aside. Uh, <laughs> Elias Chayir of Morocco. Okay. Um, another goalkeeper, Sergio Rochette of Uruguay. Oh, um, we've got. He's uh, a good keeper. Yeah, yeah, he's a good keeper. At least we we at least got a good keeper. Uh, Young Won Kim of South Korea and. Yeah. Uh, Jorge Sanchez of Mexico. So, oh, well. yeah, oh not, no. not a lot of quality this week. <laughs> Mitchell might be done this week. HR, what, what do you got? It feels like Halloween for over here. It's not much of a better, it's a bit of a horror show, to be honest. So, oh, no. and I take a keeper off of Mitch. That's how bad it is. <laughs> but uh, we'll start with the something cool, I guess. Doesn't matter. Gold Whoa. Brazil 98. Something cool, I guess, nice. for the album. But we got Chul Hong, defender. Yeah. yeah. Never have too many defenders, but he Chan Huang, uh, not where sure where he's at these days. He's at, he's at Forest, isn't he? After going from Wolves, so that's a decent that's little right. attacker. Go, yeah, <laughs> one of the eighteen four players they signed this off season, so it's hard yeah. to keep track. Yeah. Luka Jovic, former Real Madrid man. Yeah, uh, not sure where he's kicking around these days. Might be in the Bundesliga. Not completely sure. Then uh, former Wonder Kid Diego Linus, oh, still yes. young, still. There you go. Uh, the Real, Real Batiste man. 
our former Real Betis. I'm not sure where he's at these days either. So quite a vagabond pack is probably the way I'd put it. Quite wow. All right. We'll try and put you five aside <laughs> together. We'll bring in Benedict as well. And uh, Arta's tagline is to go to suffer is to know you're alive. It's very existential. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I suppose they do. They wow. do have a Camus on their team, to be fair. That's true. But, uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, a bit Albert, not Sergio. Yeah. Put, you know, you want something that you're going to put on a TFO, guys. Like you got you might have two more games to go here. Like two more games in Ottawa, like for the season. Like, what are you putting on your TFO? That's what I, I mean. You know, answers on a postcard. They put that on a TFO. Take, take Mitch's comment from earlier saying boring doesn't have Puskas nominees. I thought that was a good one. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have been called boring already by a high profile pundit this year. So there is some tag, there is some reference there too. I don't uh, remember Benny saying that. <laughs> no, it was, it was a different guy with a beard. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there you go. Uh, I think I think that's it, guys. Uh, let's uh, let's see. Have you got your five aside teams? Charlie might win this week, Benedict. But have you got a five aside team? What are you going to put up? What have you got? Harder in the chat tells me that motor is good, so I'm going to start with Yakub Motor. Yeah, is he playing in net? Oh no, Mitchell's got uh, all those guys. Uh, <laughs> no, no goals in five aside yeah. except for Mitchell's team. Yeah, uh, Oscar Duarte, Costa Rica. Okay, Charlie's just like giving this like evil laugh at the moment. Like I've got this so ready. <laughs> <laughs> I've got uh, Eder Militao from from Real Madrid. Yeah, there you go. A little little West Ham love with Lucas Paqueta. Okay, some Brazilian. I've got to finish the Canadian, of course. With Kamal Miller, very defensive. You could team, actually win the vote based defense, on that. Defense wins championships. Yeah. He could actually win the vote based on that, but I get the feeling that, like, after winning back to back years, like, you might be at a bit of a slump here. After... Benedict fatigue, we're not voting for him. Like, like, like Forge FC, you know, to start with two wins and end with a second. You might loss get in the, third the final in the third year. Yeah. All right, Charlie, let's see your all stars. My turn. All right. So I also don't didn't pull a keeper. I'm just rolling with my entire first pack. I'm going to okay. be anchored by uh, by Virgil. Nice. Virgil Van Dyke, right in the at the base of my defense you're not getting past gonna... him oh nobody's getting past him yeah he's gonna play the ball out to my two fullback wingbacks uh polish kafu and shaberto carlos oh sweet <laughs> maddie cash and luke shaw love Last it class love it and then in the middle i'm going to have matias vicino and ilke gundawan uh who's gonna hopefully score some goals for me we'll see you might need a goal scorer there but yeah, i really yeah. i could do the goal scorer. i didn't pull a goal scorer at all You're okay but uh i'm just gonna I have think... the ball the entire game that's so, fine yeah sorry guys there you go thomas uh, yeah. says Bet- better that you become mortal in the sticker world now so <laughs> yeah um yeah let's uh let's let's go with the goalkeeper top five here from mitchell what you got? Oh, do we have to? <laughs> I have a feeling. I have a feeling these ain't getting tweeted out this week because they're no, no. stinkers. We'll go with a goalkeeper uh, because I have to. Because I'm not players otherwise. I will go with uh, Sergio Rochette in net. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, back to uh, Young Wong Kim and Jorge Sanchez. Okay. Uh, obviously, Pedri um, pulling the strings not in front of them. This, by the way, yeah, not terrible. Um, and then up top. He's almost two meters tall. I know as a keeper, but just for the headers, that sort of thing, we're going with Gregor Cobell. I kind of had to. So. And you're Burnley. It was going exactly. well, and then he put a keeper up top. <laughs> there were not many other options, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, AGR, what are you going to finish on? 
I mean, it's not much better. It's kind of, we'll call this team anti-Athletico Ottawa because there's just no defense here to be found in, okay. within kilometers of the side. So anchoring my team is Piotr Zielinski. Very oh. quality player, I think, nice. in my ball on the ball. I think yeah. that's good technically. And uh, our double pivot, very offensive. We got Gonzalo Juarez and uh, He Chan Huang, who's still at Wolves. I mixed up his uh, transfer. So I got him in double number 10s. And then I got a two-man strike force just because i have no defender so we're going all out on the attack we got fiorentina's luka jovic that's where he is these days yeah. hard to track i know and then bulajia was that salert salertnia i don't know how to say it but he's on loan from Villarreal. so decent little striker uh so a lot of goals in my team but defense may be a huge worry considering i don't have a center back a fullback nor a goalkeeper yeah i kind of like your team actually in the end i didn't think it was that bad at, at, at that mm-hmm. point but there you go um so we'll see uh all right uh thomas asks are we going on location uh live newsroom for the cpl finals uh watch this space i think that could happen uh yeah definitely could happen we've got got a number of guys number of cameras we've got enough microphones uh yeah let's 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 get it done uh would nathan ingham make it into keeper fc absolutely we see mitchell's team it's terrible (laughs) he play in midfield yeah exactly i I just needed I just needed to revolt. Like we had too many guys in their proper positions during the team of the week or during the team of the season last week. I needed to, <laughs> I needed to yeah. ha- have some nonsense here. <laughs> uh, do you guys need more stickers for next week? Are we going to go get, we're going to get some more. Like, are you guys out or we got some more for one more week? One pack. Oh, Charlie needs to, Ch- Charlie crack that pack open right now. We're finishing this pack. With Ch- Charlie's the winner this week. He's going to crack See it if open. My team gets any better. He's going to, uh, he's going to crack it open. And one of these players is going to win the world cup. You put it in first. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so well, it, it could be Ghana. Could be Richard Ghana. Afori. Yeah. No, maybe. Uh, okay. Adrian Rabio could totally win the World Cup. Uh, France. Yeah. Uh, could, I don't think nice the. Guy. <laughs> I don't think the Albite Stadium is going to win the World Cup. No, it's going to Nor is the Al Thumama Stadium. Two stadiums <laughs> in the same pack. But this guy, uh, this guy could a hundred percent win the World Cup, and I would just be thrilled if he did. Okay, because I love Sergio Busquets. There we go. Love that. What a way to finish. The That's best player, awesome. one of the best players ever to play his position, um, who oh, yeah. is not coming to a Canadian MLS team anytime soon, despite what you hear uh, the rumblings. Uh, I guess we'll finish on that bombshell, uh, gentlemen. I'll get you more stickers for next week. Uh, great, great stuff. Great analysis as ever. We appreciate everybody in the chat. And uh, again, thank you for your big support of the Canadian Premier League. A really exciting week. Let's throw that schedule board up really quick and remind you again of the games that are to come. A doubleheader, of course. Both games live on One Soccer Sunday this week, not Saturday. That noise you're hearing is Mitchell ripping up his team and stickers in the background. He's disgusted and he's throwing them in the bin. Um, uh, well, two teams will be in the bin on Sunday. That's right. We'll have two teams through to the final. Will it be Atletico Ottawa? Will it be Pacific with the Miracle? Will it be Forge or will it be Cavalry? Join us next Monday again to break it down and break open some sticker packs. In the meantime, if you missed it last week, we picked our top 10 goals of the season. Sit back and enjoy them. Have a good week, everybody. God bless. Or perhaps the left foot of Timoteo. It is Timoteo. Oh, my word. What a goal. Where's Timoteo? Fabulous free kick from Timoteo and the Eddies have come from behind. 
Dos Santos, who's still on, and Brett Levi's welcome back to the pitch. Dos Santos! What a strike! Moment of brilliance. That's all they needed. And there it is. Johnny Dos Santos, when Pacific needed a boost, scores another highlight real goal. This league is a rocket factory. Johnny Dos Santos. Gone into the penalty area or just outside. Moussi left. The speed from Schwanier, the cross looking for Porges. Now Basias tracks that down. What a goal! Wilbins, wow! Better Valor, and no need, no rush to move forward. It's a lot of lateral passing, and Ottawa gets to put the pressure on to try and break it up. Finally, Bassett comes over. Back in front for Levi's. Advantage being played for Levi's. Nice move to the middle. Brent Levi's! What a hit! After two minutes of nearly nothing from Valor, Brent Levi's goes on a solo run up the pitch. Statement goal very early in this match. 